What's up, everybody? This is Mind Your Money with Miss Be Helpful, a show that highlights people and stories that will inspire you to get your money right. And today I have Rita on the show. She's a former classroom teacher and on Instagram, she's known as Wealth Para Todos. Welcome, Rita. How are you? Hi. And call me Soledad. I go by my middle name. Girl, the whole government name. Okay, <laughs> so you go by Soledad, but your first name is Rita. So Rita Soledad, but you go by Soledad. Yeah. Ideally, okay. people would call me Rita Soledad, but no one's going to do that. <laughs> I know, right? It's like maybe like your mom when she's mad at you. Exactly. Rita Soledad. Okay, nobody calls me that. Oh, well, welcome Soledad. I'll call you Soledad. And um, so you've been on Instagram for a little while, sharing your journey with your family and everything like that. I found out about you on Instagram when you actually um, joined me for uh, Finances in Fuego. And um, how did you find out about that, that workshop or the series of workshops that we did? So I started following uh, Janice from Yo Quiero Dinero podcast when she was just starting out. So our, we both were like joined Instagram around the same time. And when she had her, um, she was part of Finances in Fuego. And so when she um, advertised that, then I joined and it was a big moment for us because we had become debt free. We had saved an emergency fund yes. and I knew the next thing was to start investing, but I was so scared and nervous because there was nobody that I could talk to about it. I would read about Roth IRAs and my husband was like, that sounds so sketchy. And it was, um, it was after I saw you and, um, I participated in that class and I heard you talk about inflation and I heard you talk about expense ratios that I told my husband, look, it's not sketchy. It's real. This is like something real. And he was like, she's Dominican. And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, fine. <laughs> and that's how we opened our Roth IRAs and then we maxed them out. And now like, we're like, investing and on the path to fire. This is amazing. First of all, the fact that you know, that, that I love that for so many reasons. One is like, first of all, the fact that I could impact you in that way and be the reason why you and your husband have Roth IRAs. That is amazing. Like my hairs on the back of my neck, my little pelitos are like standing up. That's amazing. And you never know, like you just, you know, put your head down, you work, 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 and you never really know like that real impact that you have. So to hear you say that is amazing. And then the second thing is so funny is that he's like, oh, she Dominican? Okay, then I'll trust her because if she says a Roth IRA is legit, then I'll trust her. But only if she's Dominican, make sure she's Dominican. Yes, yes. <laughs> between you and Julie, the Investing Latina, it was like, oh, yes. you guys like really helped me a lot because I could show my husband anybody. But it was like, both the Dominicanas say that? I was yes. like, yes. <laughs> It's true because I think especially in the Latinx community in general, right? So many sketchy things going on. We get approached by people in the community that are selling insurance products and trying to convince us that it's an investment product. They, um, you know, come to us trying to sell us all kinds of MLMs. You know, I, I know so many people like in my family that were selling like Tommy teas and that were doing all kinds of like herbal life or herbal life. I don't know what it's called. Um, you know, at one time my mom was addicted to buying Mary Kay products from all the ladies at church and she was even considering selling them like there's this constant like there is a hustle about our culture which I love and I respect but it's not always the most informed hustle it's just like you know constantly trying to make more cash instead of constantly thinking about the long term how to make your life easier when it comes to your finances instead of just generating cash new cash all the time because cash as you you learned in the fine in the you know finances and fuego session about investing cash alone is just never enough I mean inflation is taking away so much of the value of that cash so you have to have assets outside from 
from cash as well. And, you know, for me, I find like if I didn't learn that, my life would be so different. So I'm glad that I was able to share that you know, with you and your family. Yes, it's, it's going to change our entire financial trajectory. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. Absolutely. Definitely. So our stories are so similar. I cannot wait to jump into talking about teaching experiences and then be, you know, going on Instagram and talking about your financial situation. But you know how the show goes, I'm sure, because I told you told me that you've been listening. So the first thing that I always open up with is your biggest financial regret. And as you know, this could be like something you bought that you regret buying, or this could be an experience that you had that cost too much money and you wish to this day that you could take it back. What would it be? It's so funny to be on the podcast and answering this question because I have rehearsed this moment for months listening to your podcast. So it's like, I have it ready. You didn't even have to send me questions. I already knew I was going to say, so you know, like these, like, uh, dentists like these teeth liners like they they're uh-huh. they're invisible yeah yeah yeah. they're like invisalign to like fix your teeth to straighten them yeah mm. yeah i my cousin i once sent him a video and he saw my teeth and he was like dude like where are your retainers and i bought like this whole line to fix my teeth and i went through like months 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 and then i went back into the classroom and it was so hard for me to talk and teach with them. Mm. I stopped wearing them. And like on YouTube, you guys can see that I, I have this yes. overbite. I teeth yes. that crooked. And I still have this box of plastic little oh, no. teeth things and my teeth are crooked. So how much did that. it cost you? How much did it cost you to get all of the, the, the little cartridge? Thousands, Thousands of dollars. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that makes sense because braces are thousands of dollars. Like I remember um, growing up, maybe you remember this too. I don't know if this is just me or if this is a common thing, but like growing up, if you saw a kid in school that had braces, that's they like a money. sign that their family got money. Like, oh, they got money because they got they can afford braces because we, when I was little, we never really went to the dentist. And when Same. we did go to the dentist, if like, I don't know, some of my siblings had really bad teeth. They could not get the braces because it was so expensive. So my parents just kind of let them have bad teeth until they got older and they had health insurance through their first job then they were able to get you know dental treatment so it's funny to me how like braces are a status symbol in a lot of families and you know as you get older then you go like okay well let me fix since i didn't get to do it as a kid let me do it I now see. <laughs> but then it didn't even work out for you so you end up wasting all that money oh and i so still have them thinking that oh well maybe i'll just start the program all over again but i don't think it's gonna wait happen. but can you do that though because aren't they like made specifically for the way that your teeth were at that time exactly so that's i'm not sure and i'm just like well yeah (laughs) i wonder i mean you might as well contact them and just say like hey listen if i fell off but i paid the money is there any way to i don't know get a rebate for the ones that i didn't use and And the nice thing is that now i have an fsa so i wonder Mm. if i could use the fsa money to cover right you definitely could. Um, I mean, especially as a lot of people, like as the year go- towards to tends to get to the end of the year, for FSA, for those of you listening, if you don't know, it's a flexible spending account and it gives you the opportunity to use that money, uh, but you have to use it within that year. That's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, November, December starts to come around. They're like, oh my God, I have all this money in my FSA. And if I don't use it, I'm going to lose it. So in that case, definitely, if you're at the situation where you have to use those funds, you know, fix your teeth, girl, go ahead, do it. The money's there. <laughs> the money's there. So that's crazy. All right. What about on the flip side of that? A time where, you know, you spent money and maybe other people look at you like, tuta loca, I would never do that. But you stand to it this day like, nope, that decision, I would do it again and again if I could. So we call ourselves the puro party paulinos because we're big on throwing parties. (laughs) Like that's a huge thing. And Mm -hmm. for my second child, 
their first birthday and their bautismo cost yeah. like more than four thousand dollars <laughs> oh my goodness what, that's like a sweet 16 oh my god and, I'm you, I throw huge parties. and at least at that time I was budgeting a little bit more kind of starting yeah. to look into tracking my spending so I knew like oh I spent four thousand dollars I can't even tell you how much I spent on my first kid's party wow but I do it again so and again and again <laughs> Two things that you're saying that I'm confused right now. Okay, two, what first thing you're saying is that you don't regret spending four grand on your two-year-old baby's party and you'll do it again. And the second thing you're saying is that that was an improvement from how much you were spending before. Girl, what is going on? Please give me some context. I'm so confused. Yeah, I just, we, we I learned how to throw bigger parties on less money. And the last uh, party I threw was okay. my sister's baby shower. And it was the prettiest party, the flowers, the globals, like it was so pretty. Mm -hmm. And even the food, we decided to make it ourselves and we yes. it, it only cost us $500. So That's when so I tell you we're getting better and better mm -hmm. at throwing like good parties for less money, um, I see. budgeting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, I remember having a sweet 16 party and I really wanted one so bad. And my dad was like, no, no, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. But literally doing exactly what you said we were actually able to afford it it did cost a couple thousand dollars but it was like almost 500 people in a giant gym we ended up getting a reduced price gym because the church has the gym you know the like the gym where the the kids play um school in the catholic school the kids go and play basketball there so they had this giant gym connected to the church they gave it to us for a cheaper price and Everybody in my family got together and cooked all the food. And it was like a buffet style. You just go uh -huh. and like feed yourself. And my dad had a bunch of friends that were doing um, D music DJ. So they, you know, the DJ was more discounted. Um, in the family, we have a woman who makes Dominican cake. So the cake was a deal. You know, everything was a deal. And my mom sews. Her and her sister got together and sold my Sweet 16 dress. And so that was a deal. It was like everywhere we could pinch pennies, we ended up pinching pennies. So we spent a lot of money on the alcohol so that there yeah. could be drinks because that's where the money goes. You know, the food and the alcohol. So that's crazy. Okay, so then you, so you're to the point where you're like, you know what? $4,000 is a lot. But you feel like the value of that time together with those people and the space and the, the environment, the, the vibe that you created for connecting with your family, that to you is what's worth 100%. it for you to drop that kind of money. Wow. And even when we were on our debt-free journey and eliminating mm -hmm. all our debt, the one thing, like I gave up getting manicures, I, get a, I gave up doing my hair, <laughs> I gave up eating out, I eliminated so many things. We got rid of Hulu, like we were just cutting costs. But I said, but we're still going to have a big birthday wow. party. Like we're wow. going to budget for that money. So yeah. the, um, the party is like the light at the end thing. of the tunnel. Wow. I'm a minimalist. I'm a minimalist. I don't have a lot of clothes. Like I don't yeah. like, that's not the stuff that fills me up, but my parties, oh, love it <laughs> your party animal girl I didn't know now I know now I know no but you know what it is it's funny because I feel like everybody has their thing you know and like if if giving up manicures and not doing you know shopping and getting your hair done I mean I don't understand how you're gonna show up to the party looking crazy girl you're not gonna have your hair done or you're out on your manicure what you're gonna show up to the party looking crazy but at least the party's happening <laughs> at least the party's happening That's and you know what's happy. funny is that I I haven't had a wedding yet and now, because of COVID, we're thinking like, hey, we should get married. When um, I've been married twice, and both times was in court. Uh, okay, so not like the big Catholic wedding. Yes, yes. Okay, got you, got you. But now I'm looking forward to COVID ending and throwing a big wedding. Wow. Oh, girl. <laughs> well, you better start planning now if you haven't already been planning. <laughs>
<laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so parties is your thing, girl. Parties is your thing. So, okay, so tell us a little bit about how you got to the point where you decided to start sharing about your, your financial life. Because I, I know it's hard for people. I mean, I talk about this every single week on the show. It's like people think that when you are a financial expert, you just have it all figured out and everybody else is just struggling. But that's just not true. People have challenges, have struggles. And just because you're posting about what you know on Instagram or on Facebook or on YouTube, that doesn't mean that you know everything and that you never had any challenges yourself. So, like, you know, of course, I'm sure that people were saying, don't do that. You know, you're going to tell everybody how much money you have. Or, you know, what about if people start looking at what you have? Like, what made you overcome that that hump and just finally say, you know, you know what? I'm going to post it. I know it's going to be public, but it's it's for the greater good because it's going to help me do X, Y, Z or, or whatever. Maybe it's accountability or maybe it's, um, you know, for whatever reason, educating people. But w- what was it for you that made you go to Instagram? Yeah, as I hear you talk, it makes me laugh because I think of I heard that all from my mother from from my friends but my financial journey started when I got sick in March 2019 I was a teacher and I um, was placed on medical leave I got so sick I had inflammation throughout my entire body I was on bed rest I couldn't um, pick up my child I couldn't get hugged by my my other child it was a very hard time and I started reading personal finance books during that time Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a teacher, I feel like I learned something I want to teach somebody. And usually every time I learn something and teach somebody, everyone's all open to hear me talk about Zumba or whatever, like latest thing I was into. But when it came to the money, nobody wanted to hear it. And I felt like I was alone in this whole journey. And it was just me trying to convince um, my husband, like, hey, you know what? Let's get rid of debt. Let's be debt free. Let's just pay off our student loans. Let's not carry that with us anymore. Let's uh, increase our net worth. And my husband was like, okay, yeah, whatever you want. So I'm like, uh-huh. Um, but I wanted all, once we became debt free, I wanted everyone else in my life to become debt free. I wanted everyone else to know that financial freedom and feel it because it was so empowering Mm -hmm. and nobody wanted to talk about it. So I became Mm -hmm. debt free in September and I didn't start Wealth Para Todos until February. I went a few months where I was like, no, maybe I shouldn't. But then it just kind of got to the point where I was like, I if I could help one person, you know, if one person starts thinking about budgeting, starts thinking about investing, um, I'll learn with other people. That was like one thing. I really wanted to help somebody. I thought like, how could I have not learned all of this at the age of 32 after having two kids? Like, I don't Mm. want that to be someone else's story. Right. So there was that aspect. And then there was another part of me that I was like, I was, I was learning, yearning for a community. I was a stay-at-home mom at that time. Uh I wanted to talk to adults. um, (laughs) And I was like ready to talk dinero. And it was like something, um, you know, if I could make people laugh while talking about money, I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's just have fun. And my husband was like, you should, you know, you need a logo. You need to do all this stuff. And I was like, no, what I need is just to talk dinero with people. And that's that's just still what I think. Yeah, I love that. I love that your intuition said that because I, f- I feel like I've been seeing that more and more now that people are like, oh, you know, when, when you want to start a business, get your logo, get your business, get the LLC. And it's like, you are skipping a hundred steps and going all the way to step 101. Like you're literally just jumping up to the top of the steps without taking steps one at a time. Because 
in order to even know if you have a platform, a business, any anything kind of, you know, community, anything like that, you have to just start. Just start doing what you want to do and see if there's even a market for it. See if there's any interest in you as a person, your personality. See if anybody sticks to you or is drawn to you. Like, I think a lot of people make the mistake. So it's interesting that you, your husband told you that and you were like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, and for me, it wasn't like, I didn't start Wealth Para Todos thinking, oh, it's going to be a business. I mm. literally, it was just, I'm going to find a community here. I'm going right. to find an accountability uh, accountability partners um, yeah. as we continued our journey. And then over time, as I was like, I actually really, really do like talking about money. Now I'm I like studying that. to get like, um, to become a certified financial planner. And now I'm interested I in saw like that workshops. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it didn't start like that. It literally was just in my heart, just saying, um, I feel like we need to talk dinero. Right. Which is amazing because I feel like most people's instinct is not that. But I guess at that point you were already, you know, um, in bed rest, reading about money. It was top of mind. It's probably what got you through that sickness, honestly, because people need something. They need advice, especially in a time like that. Like, you know, trapped in the house, you, you can't do the normal things and you don't have adult friends. It's just the kids. Like, I'm sure that read, having that outlet to learn about finances was refreshing. But I also wonder if it had anything to do with the way that you grew up. Like, I feel like a lot of times, sometimes people don't realize that they're upbringing their early memories or even just the way they were as kids and what money like lessons they 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 kind of took in and um, without maybe even thinking about or like being aware of it, that they have these. Um, I know like Ramit Sethi calls them money scripts, like everybody has a different way of calling it. I, I just say it's like it's your early money lessons that stuck with you that you may or may not be aware of. Um, so, yeah. So let's go ahead and segue into tell us about your upbringing. Like, what was it like growing up? Were you good with money? Were you always talking about money? Was it like one parent in the house that was more the money person? Like, how was how was like what are some of the money lessons or memories that you have around money from growing up? So I was raised by a single mom in Echo Park, oh, okay. which during that time when I grew up, there was a lot of gang violence, a lot of poverty. My high school had a 54% dropout rate. And wow. my neighborhood was just um, people of color who were either working class or really struggling, a lot of immigrants and a lot yeah. of financial struggles. And, and I just grew up thinking that people like me with my background, whether it was like Mexican or just uh, being a person of color, like we didn't, we didn't make money. That's what I thought. Like I really, like I, I didn't think that money was something or wealth was something that I could one day have. Right, right. And um, I grew up in LA. So it's like the, the people that you see who have money are like celebrities, right? And I was like, well, I can't mm. sing. I can't act, so I guess I'm not gonna really have money. And even like when I was in college, I was cleaning houses. I was doing the things that I um, saw people in my neighborhood doing. Like that's what I thought about making money. Like I remember I was selling tacos. Money. Like on um, on Tuesdays, <laughs> I would go to I would come to my neighborhood and I would buy 25 cent tacos and then go sell them on the college campus for a dollar. Oh, <laughs> And you that's the kind of thing that I was doing. Yes, before flipping was a thing. You were out here yes. flipping tacos. <laughs> and then and like to go to New York City for the first time, I like saved cans. So if you could imagine me being at a college party, walking in once and seeing all these crash cans on the floor and thinking, let's go get plastic bags. And I showed up with plastic bags and filled these bags up and it bought my ticket to New York City. <laughs> 
that's wait so you like you redeemed the cans to get money yes wow that's crazy so you were just always that hustle mindset or like anything thrifty resourceful we're gonna we're gonna take something and that that maybe looks like nothing to somebody else and we're gonna turn it into something like that that's i guess the end of the day that's resourcefulness is what i would call that yeah i mean i started working at the age of 13 i always had like a lot of various different jobs um Mm -hmm. 16, I was working at a doctor's office. I held multiple jobs throughout when I was in college. So I was always wow. working full time. Yeah. Um, the yep. first time I only had one job was when I was a teacher. Wow. Yeah, because you don't have time. Honey, I know that story. You, you, you're a teacher. You think you're going to do stuff outside. No, the only time you have time to do anything is in the summer when you don't have to teach. Right. That's the only time. Yeah. So um, that's nuts. That, that, that. So you just always been a hustler. That's just part. That's just part of your DNA. You you were just you know a hustler from young. And I wonder if that's because you saw your mom doing that hustling alone by herself. You know, like as a single mom, like she had to make it work. Like I wonder if that was a like one of those less invisible lessons that you're getting. Like you know, I gotta be able to maintain the household by myself when they like mommy. So I need to bust my butt and work and make the money. I'm not going to be able to lean on anybody else or fall back on a safety net. There's no safety net. So I have to, you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. I always just thought like I could provide for myself and I could provide for others. I always was looking at ways that I could help, um, you know, my mom too, with, with, with her mm-hmm. financial situation. And then my abuelas, they're also like hustlers. My, um, my abuela, she was, um, you know, she was always selling food, always doing things, finding her ways. Like if there's a will, there's a way. So, right. um, that was definitely in my, in my head. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Like, honestly, I find out, I find that like a lot of people, they don't think about how much they inherit the things that, you know, their previous generations have done. You don't realize it. And, and even, especially like a lot now, like entrepreneurship or the word entrepreneur is, is a buzzword. It's like, it's on Instagram, it's on, it's on everywhere, it's on Twitter, it's on TikTok. And, you know, um, there's a Jay-Z song with Pharrell, entrepreneurs, you know, and I think it's just trendy and buzzy right now. But when we think about like, a lot of our ancestors were entrepreneurs. It's just they didn't have that language. They didn't have that word to call it entrepreneurship, but they were literally creating you know, um, something from nothing. It's funny that you yeah. bring that up because I never, I, I've never identified as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. I've never even considered so you, that as you, part of my Everything you describe, I know everything you describe is entrepreneurial. I mean, I'm, I'm just calling what I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm yeah. an entrepreneur There's, now. <laughs> yeah. You're, you definitely have that entrepreneurial hustle. I mean, just constantly creating something and seeing an opportunity, right? Seeing that the tacos cost 25 cents here, but knowing that the students are willing to pay a dollar, you that's an opportunity that, you know, entrepreneurs see. I, I'm the same way as you, you know, especially I think it's because my first job after college was a, a teacher. And teaching is all about you know, building a culture with your students, building a community and having, it's very like a family, you know, like we do the same thing every day. The routine is the same. You know what to do. You know how we learn. You know how we do things in this classroom. And that feels more like a work environment like a like a factory than um an entrepreneur out there doing their own thing so i personally never identified myself as an entrepreneur either and only recently did i take take miss be helpful and turn it into an llc because i you know i i have never been, seen myself as an entrepreneur but at the end of the day 
I think it's okay if you do or if you don't. At the end of the day, I think it's more about finding out what it is that you're passionate about and how you want to do it. If you're if you want to monetize it, then of course you might have to think entrepreneurial kind of route. But if you don't want to monetize it, and it's kind of like what you're saying, you just wanted to start a community. You were not even thinking like, well, para todos is going to be a business. You just wanted to start a community. And if that's the case, just do it. Just follow that passion, that thing that's calling you. And if you end up becoming an entrepreneur, great. And if you don't, whatever, it doesn't matter. But I think we, a lot of times don't, the, the thinking of it as our being like a self-run uh, business is scary. It's right. intimidating to us. And, and you have to just follow your heart. I think you yes. have to follow that, that part Absolutely. of you that just says like, I want you to yep. do this. I want you to do this. And it doesn't yep. matter. And, and like, and ultimately like, that's how I felt with starting this community that I didn't care if I was going to get yes. trolled. I didn't care. <laughs> um, and all I wanted was to connect with people and know that that's also right. like people like us, like as soon as I became that free, I'm telling you, it changed everything for me because then I was like, oh, the same skills to become debt free. That's how I'm going to build my emergency fund. Those same skills, right. that's how I'm going to invest. And then it that's became right. very like, oh, we're going to retire early and we're going to have generational wealth. And, and I was just like, like, I just felt like everybody, we could actually do this. It doesn't matter yes. if, you, if you grew up yes. low income, we could that's actually right. learn these skills and turn things around. And I felt like, Absolutely. oh, stop everything. Let everyone know, because yeah. it was it was for me breaking that mindset that I personally had, like letting go of that narrative that wealth couldn't be for somebody like that. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I, I made it. that realization, it was like, oh, now everybody has to know. I love it. That makes it so clear why you're why you chose to name the platform Wealth Para Todos. It's so like it's just so specific to you changing your mindset, you having this aha moment of like, it is for us too. It's for everybody and not, you know, ever having that internalizing that message. Um, but I think a lot of times, especially when you grow up in a community, like a low income community where it's predominantly people of color, you generally, it, it, it is very, there's so many things that you get stuck in a cycle, right? Like the, the cycle of like prioritizing cash and saving and not, and being afraid of investing. And, um, the cycle of like not going to a financial institution and setting up a meeting with a financial expert or professional or, or a planner or anything like that. Like those are, those are things that we don't do we just work 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 pay the bills make sure there's food on the plate on the table every night make sure that you know our family has some financial dignity and and that is what we're proud of you know because that's more than what most people have in you yes. know developing countries where most of our family you know is from so you know you're mexico in your case and your husband's dominican like me so i feel like we it's it's very similar like when your parents are the first ones to come over and you become the first generation american you you're, everything that you do here, even if it's not like incredible, like making a million dollars, like it's still going to be an improvement because you came from a developing country. And you feel yes. so grateful and you just yes. feel so blessed and everything that you have, it's always a comparison to yes. what other people don't have. So even growing up, you know, low income in the United States, I heard all the time, low income in the United States, you still get to go to school. Low yes. income in the, United, in the United States, you can still get Medicare. So it was just like, to be poor in the United States is not really to be poor on a, like, in the real global world. Scale. Yes, yes. <laughs> a global scale. I absolutely hear that. That's so true. You know, my mom always used to tell me when I was little, like, I was obsessed with, like, having a lot of different toys and clothes and shoes. Like, you know, because in the kids in school, 
whatever they have is what you compare yourself to. And so I was like kind of like the opposite of you. Like when I was 13, 14, I, I could have started working. I think I started working when I was 15 or 16. But when I was 14, I did get my working papers. I just didn't start working right away because none of my friends were working. And what they would do after school was go hang out at McDonald's like, or go to the Chinese spot and get french fries with ketchup and hot sauce. Like So <laughs> that's what I would just do those things with them. And that's how I spent my time. And the environment around you very much like kind of like informs your mindset and dictates what you do sometimes without you even realizing it. So it wasn't until I kind of saw opportunities because other, like some of the um, students that were a little older than me were doing internships. And I was like, well, what's that? What's an internship? They're like, yeah, you could get paid to do internships. I was like, oh, so let me do that. But if I had just kind of like only done what I was already doing and just continue to, to do the same routine, I don't think I ever would have even started working in high school and making money. And cause you know, my, my family didn't need support, but it was, I don't know, my family did, there's a lot of machismo. I don't know how it is in your family, but in my family, like, the girls were never really expected to work. Like, the guys, the boys, definitely. When you turn 14, you need to start working. The girls, it was more so focused on school, and when you come home, cook and clean and, you know, all that. So it was interesting how much it was split. What helped me a lot is that yeah. my brother and I are so close in age. We're, like, mm. like a year and a half. They're very close in age. And because yeah. of that, my abuelo, treated my brother and I the same. So where my sister was like expected to be in the kitchen and cooking, I was allowed to be with my brother and my grandfather and on the streets. I got to roll around with them on the streets and that exposed me to this other mentality. My, um, my cousin were close in age. So I grew up with two boys as my closest friends. And my, my mom would always tell me like, Rita Soledad, you're not a boy, you're a girl. <laughs> And I'd be like, I don't know what that means, but I, I know, my like, friends. but I know <laughs> que quiero trabajar. I know that I want to make my own money. I know that I mm -hmm. could do it. And because of that, it's like, I would sit with my tias and they would talk about like their hair and, and you know, makeup and, and mm -hmm. oh, no, Mary Kay products, girl, Mary Kay products. <laughs> and when I would sit with my cousins and my grandfather, it was always about how do you make money? Mm -hmm. And that really shaped me. It really, it wow. really like, it, I mean, wow. I, till this day, my, my grandfather used to tell my abuela, she's not going to have to learn how to cook. She doesn't need to learn how to cook because she's going to make mm. so much money that she's going to be able to buy it. And that was wow. something in my head. But I was just it like, stuck with you. Yeah, that sticks with till you. Till this day, my husband's the one who cooks. <laughs> wow, that's so funny. Well, listen, Dominicans be cooking up a storm, okay? So I'm sure you're eating good, girl. You're Very eating tostones, <laughs> No, but you know, you know, it's funny that you say that because I, and obviously as a teacher, you probably know this, but I think it transfers over to money so well too, is that when you have a young impressionable child in your life or, you know, children, the words that you use around them, you, you think you're just saying something, ah, whatever, it's nothing. You know, I just said that. I don't remember it, but the child, st it sticks with them. And even after you don't even remember what you said to the kid, the kid will be like, I know, I, I remember word for word what you said to me and it stuck with me. And either it hurt me or it inspired and motivated me. In your case, what your grandfather said was your motivation. Like, yeah, I heard grandpa say that one day I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to be so smart and all that. That's that kind of. The reason why you. I went to college is because I mm, sat in a presentation where somebody said, if you get straight A's, you can get a full scholarship to go to any school you want to. And I heard that and I thought, OK, that's all I have to do. In middle school, wow. I didn't have good grades, but in mm -hmm. high school, I became a straight A student. And because of the high school that I had attended, when I got really good scores on the SAT, which is another thing that they had said in that presentation, all of a sudden, now I had every school I applied to a full scholarship. 
Wow. Yep. And it was literally just someone saying that and communicating that to me. And so like, I think a lot in terms of like my background, a lot of people that I grew up with, um, people that we lost to gun violence, people that we lost to, to being in jail. And I think what, what was it? How did I get so lucky? And I right. feel that responsibility to then share uh, and be, you know, that, the representation for other people to be like, look, you know, Definitely. I know it's hard, but also it's good. You can also make money in this way. And we can learn how to make money in passive ways too. We don't even, it doesn't like our time doesn't have to exchange for, for money. Yes. I a hundred percent that lesson. I didn't really learn it until I read um, your money or your life. And I don't know if you've read that one, but it is one of like those original first books that kind of started the fire movement, but unofficially, like, I feel like it doesn't get all the credit it deserves, but I feel like that message is literally what that book is really hammering home that you, if you, for the rest of your life, think about transferring your time for money, you are never going to be able to build wealth because that mindset alone is the flaw in the system. It's, it's, it's training people from when they turn 14 that they can make $7 an hour, that they can make $8 an hour, $12, $15 an hour, that an hour is worth this much time. That training you from a young age to believe that is why we end up messing up so many people's financial potential because right. we limit them from the beginning by teaching them that money and time can be transferred like that in this very limited way. And it's just crazy to, to kind of not believe that anymore, to like just free yourself from those, those beliefs and that stuff that kind of society puts on you and expects you to just believe it and accept it. But like, but what if I don't want to transfer one hour for money and I want to do more with my time or I know that I could make more with my time. You know, you, you, you don't think like that if you're just taught and, and kind of, almost forced to just do what society says you're supposed to do and i would say so. that as a latina who grew up in a machista culture where we live in a society with so many cis heteronormative like norms like man yeah. we really have to work extra hard to break through these, yes. these limiting beliefs or these narratives that come our way that really don't serve us yeah definitely and as especially when it comes to money. I feel like there's so much of that. Everything, of course, right? Gender norms, relationships, um, you know, religion, everything, right? But I do feel like with money, it's just so much more pervasive because one, you're taught not to talk about it, that it's rude. Eso no se hace, no diga eso, no le den preguntando cuánto dinero tienen o cuánto dinero ganan. It's not... It's not okay, and that makes me feel like it's ingrained at an early age that it's just off the table. Don't bring it up. Don't talk about it. So then, how are you supposed to learn? How are you supposed to improve? How are you know? How are we supposed to break through these cycles? Right. If we don't talk exactly. about it. Exactly. I, I love that. So I love that you decided to finally take yourself to Instagram and start talking about it and start sharing your story because that is that is literally what can make or break you sticking to your plan and sticking to this, um, you know, vision that you have for your future. The motivation without the motivation from the community that you created through Wealth Para Todos, like you could literally just one day to the next give up because you lose hope and because you don't feel connected to people and because you don't feel the passion anymore. And now it's gone. But because you have this community, when you are feeling like lacking motivation or like, oh, yeah, I just don't feel like it today, this community is there. You can't ignore it. So it's it feeds you. You start feeding it and then it feeds you in return. So I'm I'm, I'm so I mean, that's. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the experience I had with Miss Be Helpful. So I'm just so glad that you, you did the same. Um, 
And I think, so before we wrap up, I think I would love to hear just the transformation, you know, like being like recklessly just spending, not tracking it. Don't know how much we spent on that party. We got married. We just kind of buying our kids everything and just living that normal life. And then I get sick. And then all of a sudden it's like, I need to change my life financially. And now tell us like where kind of like how that transformation happened. What does it look like now? What are you prioritizing? You know, how is it so different for you that it's obviously better, so of course it's better, yeah. but like, you know, kind of point it out to us how so it is the now. the biggest, I would say the biggest thing now is we really prioritize maxing out our retirement accounts. Mm, and now yes. we have a plan to retire um, by 47. That's how wow, that's, which is crazy because that's crazy. That because is crazy. we just started investing, but now we know, we know the numbers, we know how it all works. And so it's just a matter of continuing to live below our means. Yeah. And, and you've been a saver and you've been a saver. So you have that in you, you know, it's not like, yes. Oh my God. I've also had to deal with things. my emotional spending though. And, yeah. and by those parties, my girl, spending, those, those parties is what you got. <laughs> you got to, you got to <laughs> track those parties is what yes. you got to do girl. And understanding that, um, it's still like, you know, you could still have a really good time and it doesn't mean that you have to spend all this money. There's ways, you know, and also investing in things that bring you joy that also don't cost spending, like don't require mm. spending money. It's yeah. been a journey. It's a, it's a constant journey. I feel like it's Definitely. the more I track my spending, the more I see what I want to buy, the more times that, you know, things just get crazy in life. And I notice the emotions that come up, the things, you know, that I realize, oh, I'm, I'm going to an old habit and wanting to get like that instant gratification. Whereas, you know what, let me just breathe. Let me take a walk and learning these new skills because our emotions definitely impact um, our discipline. That's right. So That's that right. has been like a big part of my transformation. Another part is that, you know, we're maxing out our retirement accounts. We're looking at ways to increase our income. Um, mm -hmm. My husband just recently um, started a new business. He created an app. We're looking at ways to generate passive income so that we can also eventually we want to buy real estate and um, continue to house hack. Um, yeah. And that's, that, that's the thing. I think that like the biggest thing is that we live really below our means to continue to increase our income and we're investing, investing, investing. I opened up that's a taxable amazing. brokerage account that's because amazing. now we know that well, we're yeah. going to have more than, more than just our 401k and more than just an IRA. So now I was just about to ask that I was about to say, you said you guys are on track to retire at 47. And I know a lot of listeners are probably like, wait, what? Don't you have to not, can't you, don't you have to wait to touch your money until you're 59 and a half for your, for your retirement accounts? So talk about like the plan, are you planning to do conversions to the Roth IRA? Like, how are you going to try to access the money? Or are you just going to use the taxable brokerage account money first? And then when you're 59, 12 years later, you then access the locked up money in the retirement accounts. What are you thinking? Definitely thinking, um, we have like the 401k stuff, which we're not going to reach until later. Well, thinking about Roth IRAs, maybe, but really our goal is to get um, the taxable brokerage account and to get real estate so that we can live off of the income from, um, you know, being landlords Cash flow, live, and, right. and the passive income. That's yeah, what nice. we're really trying to do, like find ways that we can um, just generate a lot of passive income. So that becomes the way that we live. Up our nice. So you don't even have to touch the investments until you can. And then you're like, great, we can touch it now. So we're going to, but we don't need to. And that's a beautiful thing. Like if you could build a system for yourself in your life where you don't 
have to touch your investments, but they're there. That would be amazing. You know, like that would just, that's the ideal, I think, is for most people to be able to have that extra essentially what we were saying before which is a safety net which you never had and i think now you are building that for yourself i'm trying to do the same so i totally hear that plan that you're saying it's like it, it makes so much sense to me because if you don't have that then what you're doing is essentially just generating cash flow generating cash flow generating cash flow and then you reach a day where you're like we're exhausted of house hacking we want to sell this house and just kind of relax but we can't because the cash flow from the house is the only thing that we had coming in right. and that is the mistake mistake that a lot of our um uh, previous generations made they you know even if they did invest in a house or do real estate they didn't understand that eventually at some point you're going to need to be able to part ways with it and still have passive income and the reality is so that like maybe like i can see myself being a certified financial planner yeah okay. i yeah, can yeah, see yeah. myself not even wanting to stop work but it's about just having that freedom Option. you know and that choice Option. because when i paid off my student loans and I no longer thought, oh, I have to teach five years in order for my student loans to get canceled, right? Like, it, it just started to change things. And it made me start to think, like, well, money really can be used as, like, to leverage all your dreams. That's right. Like, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it can also hinder your dreams if you're doing it all wrong, which is, I think, the importance of what you said of, like, really talking about this stuff. Like, you know, you could have learned it all. In, in bed, during bed rest, learn it all, implement it with your family, tell your own personal family and friends, and that's it. Move on with your life and just live your life happily and financially, you know, well. But instead, you're like, no, 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 no. This is too good to keep a secret. Yes, <laughs> like, yes. Everybody yes. got to know. Yeah, and I always so. say, like, it, it's, it ain't no fun if I'm the only wealthy one. Yes. <laughs> I totally um, love that. I love everything that you've been saying. Um, so is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? You already know what I'm going to ask you is about your money model. Yes, yes, yes. I'll tell you right now um, <laughs> that what I want everyone to know, and it, and it is my motto. My motto is poco a poco, todo con tiempo. And in English, it's little by little, everything in good time. And I think when I started my journey, all I was focused on was paying off debt. I wasn't thinking, I didn't even know about the financial independence retire early movement. So you just start little by little. And, and, and as you continue, poco a poco, you'll see that like uh, you start to manifest or not even manifest, you just start to get all these things you really wanted. And I think it's like, for me, it's a full circle because I started listening to your podcast when everything happened with COVID. And now here I am being able to say poco a poco, todo con tiempo and sharing this with your audience. And and it. just know everybody wherever you are just start and little by little you're gonna be where you you're gonna be where you didn't even think you could be honest i think there's this there's this myth that like you could you're gonna be fearless and you're gonna do it all no you're not gonna be fearless no. that's bs <laughs> you're gonna be scared you're gonna be so scared but you still have to do it anyway you have to do it scared because the alternative is not doing it at all and just being scared with no money i'd rather be scared with money than be scared with no money <laughs> so, so that's what it is awesome well everybody listening if you didn't already catch it soledad is on instagram wealth para todos almost at five thousand followers and i know you're going past that and go even further so which is amazing because you started you know not even too long ago and all of a sudden now you have this community of almost five thousand people that are like looking at your content and, and you're gonna be inspired by you it is a blessing and you're gonna you're gonna do quadruple quintuple ten times you're gonna do Vamos so much more in terms of time. <laughs> girl i know it so um yeah just keep doing what you're doing i love what you're doing thank you for supporting our work when we did the the financial 
finances and Fuego workshop, first of all, for, you know, for attending that. Eventually, you're going to be on there doing your own workshops. Um, actually, you do have so, a workshop. Yes, you have a workshop. Let me go on Instagram right now so I can tell or tell us um, about your workshop. So I actually, my goal this year is to do a workshop every, um, every month. The yes, first yes. workshop this month is with, uh, in collaboration with First Gen Professional, and we're talking about money narratives and the things that get in the way of our mindset and things that we need to release. Uh, we're releasing anything that doesn't serve our, our bodies, our minds, and our wallets. Love it. Love it. I love it. So it says, what is your money story? Have you tried budgeting, saving, investing, but it just doesn't work out? <laughs> we just talked about. Um, let's unpack why it's not working for you. So it's January 14, 2021, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. It is a $30 investment, which I like that you call it a $30 investment because it is an investment. Learning, yes. uh, you know, making yourself better, growing, it is an investment. First Gen Professional Workshop. Love it. Featuring Soledad from Wealth Para Todos. You guys heard it here. If you want to register, go to her Instagram, Wealth Para Todos. And, you know, continue to support Soledad. As you can hear, she's so real. She's just so authentic, you know. And I, and I love that about you. I, I I really didn't know too much about your story besides what I heard, um, which was all your multiple husbands drama from Denise's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but, like, in, t in terms of, like, you know, where you are now and, like, all the goals and the reasons why. So it's just so nice to be able to sit down and talk to you one-on-one. -on -one. So thank you for being a guest on the show for you know thank supporting you me and my work me. thank you so much for the time for your energy for your story and uh you know everybody listening if you were inspired reach out to her tell her so that your story was straight fire <laughs> i live for your dms like i said i'm a yes. for a long time i was a stay-at-home mom so anytime anyone like talked to me i was like yes an adult <laughs> no baby Woo yay. Yay. <laughs> um, but you, i really want everyone to know that you too can be wealthy like i need you to know that and i'm here to support your journey so i'm only a dm away She's a DM away. You heard it. Just like me, accessible here, ready to help. Um, have a great, great, great rest of your night, hon. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Bye.